tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we've got a problem here. There are more B-list action movies than we've got beers. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is our 148th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. That's W-O-B-A-M Entertainment. And tonight we finish off our Hops and B-List Action Star Flops series with Showdown in Little Tokyo, the 1991 classic that was essentially straight to DVD. <laughs> uh, classic. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, VHS, yeah. Uh, we are going to be taking down the Yakuza in their false beer operation, the Red Dragon, because no meth is coming through our city. No way. I, I think you mean ice, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they ship out the beer, and we can talk about this more in the plot, and like they just assume, like, oh, it's cool. This will have the same weight and everything. Like, uh, It just makes no sense. It's not a very, uh, yeah, this plot does not hold a lot of uh, water <laughs> in certain uh, aspects. Yeah. Or beer, apparently, because they're just beer. shipping ice. Wait, wait, what was, what, was the, uh, what was the drug from Stone Cold? It's P2P. P2P, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure this is just, this, this is ice is just a P2P variant. Yeah, it's vanilla. I'm assuming ice. these are in a shared universe. Yeah, it's vanilla ice in the sense that it's go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go. I, you know what? I'll get it out of the way right now, Captain Cash. Uh, this movie was shockingly short on people in pajamas. I do appreciate that this movie did not give us full on ninjas. You do? I was I was disappointed. Uh, I, like at a certain ninjas. point, you're kind of overplaying your your hand on how much Japanese culture you're willing to appropriate. Yeah, I and agree. I appreciate that Fair. modicum of restraint. Yeah. 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 So as you've heard, along with me for this LA gang war, are local yakuza enthusiast Captain Cash, Minasama Yokoso, hops on the box office for up today. See that already. Much better than Dolph Lundgren is at speaking Japanese. Dolph Lundgren's Japanese is not great, but it's not bad. I mean, I mean, to be fair, he already speaks English basically as well as I do in this film. So where's Dolph Lundgren from originally? Finland? Sweden. 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 Uh, I, I mean, like I knew a, it was like Nord, PhD, Nordic. Right? Yeah. Right? He's yeah. A PhD. I mean, uh, listen. Chem- chemical, chemical engineering, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to ride him too hard on his ability to speak a third probably honestly i don't know how many languages he speaks but i doubt japanese is in his top four I, and he yeah. does fine I, be, I believe he speaks multiple languages he's yeah a, that's what I, like i mean i'm not gonna ride him on dude. that and he is enormous in this movie he is huge and like, cut he, as shit yeah because this is like post rocky right and I'm like, yeah, Rocky he, was 85. This is yeah, 91. This is, he was significantly bulkier in this. It's post like, Punisher. It's uh, which it's has post Masters of the Universe. Well, 
the man who's just ecstatic about Lundgren's build is, of course, Chumpzilla. He was in charge of laundering most Japanese bathhouse loincloths. So, best job I ever had. No complaints. Yeah, I mean, you didn't do you it. Compl- you didn't do it for the money. You did it for the art. And you know what? I appreciate that. You know, I just, I just love me a good Japanese bathhouse fight scene. That's, I will I watch mean, a honestly, bathhouse fight scene. Bathhouse fight scene is like any day of the week. top top yeah. three places to have a fight scene. There's there's like a real fine line though. You can't have too much like swing and dick like Eastern Promises. It's like that no. goes overboard. Horse shit. You want at <laughs> least full frontal Mortensen every time. Otherwise, why have it? Yeah. He's doing yeah. crescent kicks, and it's just like, all right, man, we got to find a new mode of attack. Here. <laughs> <laughs> okay so points for her you can find the show on twitter facebook and instagram at hops and bo flops and you can find wabam entertainment at w-o-b-a-m-e-n-t on twitter and instagram showdown in little tokyo is free on hbo max or you can buy it like i did on apple tv for 4.99 that's where the deal was folks kind of a steal frankly hey and goes across all my platforms because they're connected i can bring this thing anywhere I'm mobile. Wow. Now. Wow. You know, I'm at work. I'm like, hey, you ever seen Showdown in Little Tokyo? Stay. <laughs> you want to watch, watch this? That That is definitely a conversation you're going to have with human resources. But cool. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. don't do that. But de- yeah, cool. No, don't. Well, it depends on the scene. But there's a lot of scenes you can't not say yeah. at work. <laughs> well, no. hey, I, let's get us uh, out of the way now, Thunderous Wizard, because you mentioned this earlier. Uh, this was a big hit on you know cable and home video huge hit so a lot of people probably saw the edited version which which does not give you a lot of full front uh full frontal cassandra cassandra here's my big question oh double swing 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 if you saw this edited down for television like this movie is not long it's what a hundred and a hundred minutes it's a it's one hour and eighteen minutes long. So like, not even a what? It's seventy eight minutes. It barely qualifies for feature film length. Oh no, it's very short. And they cut, uh, I think, upwards of fifteen minutes out of the movie. WB like they thought this thing was a trash heap. They wanted nothing to do with it, and they <laughs> edited it down to make it as fast as possible. Listen, I, I'm not saying they're wrong necessarily <laughs> yeah I, but it, it didn't hurt the film i'll yeah, say that <laughs> yeah but my question is 78 minutes long if you were to remove all of the stuff that cannot go on basic cable how long is that like that's an episode of law and order that is like <laughs> yeah 43 minutes tops now I don't, you know, I was really young when I first saw this movie on TBS and TNT. That explains a lot, it feels like. I mean, I grew up just watching muscle-bound men eviscerate minorities in action movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should, I'm like, that's where the 80s and 90s action movies, like, that's what they were. Yeah, the bad guys couldn't be white. No, they almost never were, yeah. Like, obviously, it in retrospect, not great. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like. I, I'm not sure the panel of three white dudes pushing forty is the ideal frame for 
let's talk about the inherent racism in this movie. Well, no, Boy, I, is there. I, I, I will say probably the most uncomfortable aspect of this film is not necessarily that minorities are the bad guys. It's that I'm not sure I... Because I'd seen this before a long time ago, and I didn't remember it, so it was sort of like watching it again for the first time. I had forgotten how uncomfortable that fish out of water aspect of having Brandon Lee's character, who is Chinese, not Japanese in real life. Well, yeah, you know, so, yeah, Brandon yeah, Lee but, is but Bruce Lee's fucking son. Yeah, yeah, the crow, and, and his whole the whole the whole shtick in the movie is that he's basically less Japanese than Dolph Lundgren because Dolph Lundgren was raised there and he learned the culture. And it's like, I, I don't like any of this like <laughs> at <it's>, all. Yeah. <laughs> this it, does not, this it, does not make me like Dolph Lundgren's character at all. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is such like the otaku ideal. I was raised in Japan and I'm basically a jacked superhuman who knows Japanese culture. Yes. While, while you were studying the, the, I like, it's so bad. I will say that Brandon Lee, like it, it is very uncomfortable how they choose to Mm. make Dolph Lundgren the more Asian between Brandon Lee, who is such a weird angle. Of Asian, like he's literally Bruce Lee's son. Potentially in 1991, if you're like, name a famous Asian person, Bruce Lee is like in the top three. And they have him be like, you know, Dolph Lundgren is more Asian than that. But that they allow just this guy to be an Asian American. And he like, like, it feels like Brandon Lee is kind of hamming up like Mm -hmm. a very valley, like, I'm oh, yeah. an American accent. Let's do this. Uh, but like, I, I will give him credit. He definitely plays that part like a hundred percent. Like he, uh, like he did it. He did it without any like reservation. It would appear. Like he, he bought into it a hundred percent, which is fine. He's he's. I think he's good in this movie. I think they don't give him enough to do. I think that's probably the biggest problem. No, I, I agree. And and honestly, it's, him. it's Brandon Lee's charisma. That carries a lot. Like it's it's okay, strange, yeah, yeah. but whenever he's on yeah. film, you're like, this guy's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. I like no. this dude a lot, maybe more than everybody oh, else okay. in this movie. Yeah. And we'll get there because I did. Okay. Question. All right, all right. Okay. But yeah. yeah, what what you should quickly think about if you're a huge Bruce Lee fan is Brandon Lee. This is his first U- U.S. produced movie. The comparisons between the way his father was treated in the '60s and the way he is treated as a character in this movie are quite similar because they're like, Hey, we know you're actually Asian. We know you obviously studied martial arts and you're a star in, in, in Hong Kong, but you can't be the lead of our U S movie because you're not fully white. And that's, that was father was treated. Well, that, that, that he got beat up by not. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Don't please. Don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I like I like that movie. I think that that scene is repugnant in a lot of different ways. That's one, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, so, I watched that once, yeah. and I, that is that is Tarantino boy. Yeah, I I think that scene mm. is really really offensive. And if you don't, you know, fine. But I'm sorry, I do. So let's talk. Yeah, anyway, sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, beer because I like tonight's beer like a yeah. bunch. So we're drinking Kirin Ichiban, which is a 100% premium Japanese malt beer brewed with the first press method and offering a smooth and rich flavor. Now, 
Obviously, this is a very Japanese-centric movie, and it also has a fake Japanese beer company in it, the Red Dragon. So I used Japanese beer. Uh, Kirin is a very famous Japanese beer. In terms of Japanese beers, this is very malty. I like the Asahi Super Dry a lot better than this. Agreed. But this is a decent beer. And if, if you're looking to sample beers from around the world, you can do a lot worse than Kirin Ichiban. But I'd give it two movies, two bad movies out of three. Okay, so very important for me. This beer is 5% ABV, and I know we do the whole like, hey, it's got to be a, at least at least a seven or I won't do it. But in the way that like, if you listen to the pod long enough, I've talked about 13th Warrior and I will always talk about 13th Warrior. And hopefully we can do like a revisit of 13th Warrior before too long just to, just to do it again. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a deep nostalgia I have for certain things and Kirin is one. I love Kirin Ichiban. Now I have I have a couple caveats here. I, I this is a three this is a three movie beer for me hundred percent. You if you serve me enough Kirins, I'll hang around as long as you want me to. But if I can get each one of those in a frosty cold glass stein like you are served, anytime you order one of those beers in Japan. Boy, I will hang out until you kill me with beers. I like this beer a lot. I, I will tell you this. If you feed Captain Cash enough of these, you will definitely get him into a karaoke cube where he is singing just Japanese songs. I would that's happened. Yeah. With yeah, a thunder that's facts. That's Witness. Just, that's just facts. Uh, this beer has to be cold. Because if you let it get a little warm, the bullet will destroy you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh you know, this is a beer that's best served on a first date at a sushi restaurant. If you're in the U.S., that that's where I, I I rank it. Like, you know, you're at a Japanese restaurant. This is what you order on that first date. I mean, in fairness, option. the beers that you're going to get from Japan in America are always Asahi, Sapporo, mm -hmm. or you're going to get Kirin. And of those three, I really like Kirin the best. I just do. Yeah, Sapporo is yeah. not that great. Uh, I, I would say Sapporo is my least favorite. Yeah. Honestly, I don't have a strong opinion about Asahi or Sapporo, but Kirin is my favorite. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. best beer. And I'll say this, Captain Cash, in, your, in reference to your comment on the frosty mug, even Pabst tastes good if it comes in a giant frosty mug. That's just the Sometimes frosty mug present, adds, yeah. adds a lot to the character well, of whatever it's, it's, it's uh, being it's a little bit of presentation. This is also presentation counts a lot. But yeah, but anyway, yeah. If you're uh, Captain Captain Cash, Thunderous Wizard, I'm going to give this a one movie, uh, one bad movie rating because okay. it's, well, uh, it, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's a, to me, it's a first date beer at a Japanese restaurant. But anyway, moving on. Okay, so yeah. and it, regardless, if you're out buying Japanese beers in your local store, this is instantly the most recognizable because of the can art, or the Dragon. bottle art. Yeah, no, no, it's a it's a kitten. It's yeah. a, like a. Uh, it looks very cool. Deer, deer dragon combo. Yes. Though interestingly, yeah. it's a it's a it's a cat. Yeah, uh, deer dragon Meow. combo. That's the they they call uh, <laughs> giraffes kitten. They took a look at a giraffe and went, ah, that is the mythical creature that we it's, uh, it's, call a deer and a dragon combined. It's yeah, actually no, it's, right there. That's it's what actually that is. The, the dragon from the Neverending Story. Ooh, Falcor. Falcor. Okay, Ooh. so Showdown in Little Tokyo was directed by Mark L. Lester 
who directed fucking Commando. So if you realize why I chose this movie, it's because Commando is probably the greatest 90 minutes ever put to film. I could watch Commando on loop like the guy in A Clockwork Orange. You could pin my eyelids open and I would just consume Commando. I I don't even need the drops. Just keep it coming. (laughs) Just keep it coming. You know, the the thing that really shocks me when, when I found that out is that this movie is just not nearly as punchy as Commando is. It was rewritten heavily. The action is not there. It's just no, Commando it's has like a has like a cadence to it almost. Like it's just well, also it's they, just they believed in Schwarzenegger. He's commodity. Yeah. I don't know, you know, like different studios, different people in charge. This movie was tinkered with heavily. Heavily. We're, yeah. gonna, we're well, gonna talk about that in a minute. I, I just, so I just want to say something about Commando. It's Apple's Origins. Because we brought it up. Commando, to me, it's such a bare bones plot, but they I mean, do so taken. much. They, they do so much with it. Yeah, like it. it and, and and I get it. It's mostly just action. It's not a lot of like dialogue or plot. But that movie is just like, it it it's uh, it's not high art. Don't get me wrong, but it's so, back up the truck. It's it's, it's so art. enjoyable though. Like but, it's satisfying. But Commando is not trying to be what they tried to make this movie this movie exactly. desperately wants to be lethal weapon good it, point yeah no I, the thing about commando to your, i think we no i think we, i think you nailed it there uh t-dubs commando knew exactly what it was and it excelled at that you know how many shitty you know how many shitty movies tried to reimpersonate commando rambo 2 okay anyway, so moving on uh he also directed firestarter by the way uh more recently very more uh, yeah, he's just been doing a lot of schlock, and that's part of the quiz. So I'm not going to spoil any of that here. This okay. movie stars Dolph Drago Lundgren as Sergeant Chris Kenner. You've got CK. Johnny, son of the Dragon Lee, as Johnny Murata. Carrie Hiroyuki, it has begun. Togawa as Yoshida. How did you not go with, your soul is mine? I mean... Two great quotes from the movie. I yeah, love when fair. he's okay. standing there with the <laughs> silly skulls eating each other. And it's like, why is that part of the laser it's light show? It is. <laughs> what, what's I, happening? God, I, I love Carrie here, Yuki Tagawa. Anyway, uh, yeah. He seems like an awesome guy. And he, like uh, Lance Henriksen and uh, Forsyth, elevates some pretty subpar material. He here. really does. Like, every Super time he's guy. on screen, you're mm-hmm. like, he's not as big as London, but man he's more evil and i i trust that he'll do some evil stuff to sort of balance that out he very always very he's menacing. got a great angry look he really does it's the scowl is on point yeah. yep so you've got tia crucial taunt career as manaku okea al leong makes an appearance because henchmen were needed and that was sort of his thing you know like he was in the he was in the yellow book as henchmen kids at home once upon a time Oh my god! They would deliver a whole book to your house with nothing but addresses and phone numbers in it of things you wanted to look up. So theoretically, you would look up henchmen, henchmen. and the first henchman you would find would be Al Leong. And yeah. Yeah. he he really he henches well. He henches maybe the best. And when, and when he shows up, you're like, ah, good that guy's here. Good thing. But- that's how you know it's a it's a it's a quality '80s action movie is when Al Young shows up. You know like, how I knew we're good. he was even phoning this in because there's action scenes where he's like, "Ah, screw it, I'm just gonna like 
randomly move the gun around like an idiot. Like I'm a gangster <laughs> in a shitty 1950s movie. Because what what was he in? He he was in Big he's Trouble. In Big Trouble. He's in Die, Die Hard. Die Hard. He's in he steals the Snickers. Yeah. Isn't he isn't isn't he in uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No, you're thinking of the, you're thinking no, no. of uh, that's who's coming up. Sato. Oh. Yeah. That's my favorite part of this. Movie, oh yes. Is that Toshihiro Master Tatsuo Bata is here as Sato. By yep, way, that's that right. No English. All his lines in Ninja Turtles were dubbed. Dubbed. Yeah. But he just had such a great look. Again, he, he looks like a bad guy. So. I love Master Tatsu. I mean, for, for what it's worth, Obata-san, like, he's actually a martial artist. It's... Uh, how, how should I say this? Uh, Mr. Tagawa, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, very menacing. But he is an actor. Yeah, yeah. Toshiro Obata will kill you. Oh, can <laughs> actually kill you without thinking too hard about it. You know what'll happen is you'll bow him and he'll kick you straight in the fucking face and say, Never lower your eyes to an enemy. <laughs> Except sound it, it won't be a teaching moment. He'll just murder you. Yeah, and then he'll rip out your throat. Yeah, like I mean, it'll probably it'll, as as I understand it, his specialty is things with bladed weapons he actually studied the blade yeah while, I mean, have you seen while, his haircut yeah while he, <laughs> hiroyuki tagawa you know studied the acting now that's what one of the cool things about this movie is that lundgren legit badass brandon lee legit badass many of the other accompanying uh, background players badass dudes i mean you'll you'll notice a lot of guys from other movies we've done on the pod the perfect weapon big trouble in little china uh, so Showdown mm. Little Tokyo uh, was a flop, not entirely of its own accord. Uh, WB hated the movie, as I said. Uh, they even took over the final edit of it, cutting nearly 15 minutes out. Uh, they just didn't believe in it. So they released it to a limited number of theaters, under 200 in the U.S., essentially sending it to die. Uh, it grossed just $2.3 million on a budget of $8 million. So in my opinion... Uh, you know, I like to make fun of WB now because I think people running it are stupid, but this movie would have made its money back if you just sent it to theaters. So Ooh, for sure. I don't know. I, I, $8 million. Eight, eight, so million eight million. Yeah. No, this, this, well, this could have done 8 million in 91 dollars. But, no, you know, like, and it was, it was only released in like a few foreign countries too. So it's like, it costs you very little. Like, in the grand scheme of things, to print these films and to distribute them, they would have made the money back. Yeah, yeah, let's be honest here, Captain Cash. Like 200 theaters in the U.S. is nothing. Yeah, that's fair. That is next to nothing. If you release this to like 5,500 theaters, which is close, I think that's about normal-ish, whatever. Well, it, back then it would have been like 1,250 tops. There's way more theaters now. But even yeah, still, no, I, 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 but I'm saying, like, yeah. So a few thousand theaters versus a few hundred, you're probably making your your eight million dollars. I'm going to tell you, million, it's not, that's not a huge threshold to to if, clear. If you release this after Wayne's World, and your commercial just said, "Come see Cassandra naked," this movie makes a hundred million dollars. I I would be curious to know what the choice behind that was. Because you're right, 200 seems very, very few theaters. And 
like, obviously, we have said this is not high art. And I, I will go on no. the record to say this is a bad movie. It's stupid fun. And I like I had a great time watching it, but that doesn't right. make this a good movie. Well, it's not so bad that I would want to bury it. I'm you assuming know. it was part of the, the contracting. So whatever mm. the deal was, it was okay, this is going, like, whatever we produce has to go to theaters. You know, that's part of industry contracts and all right. sorts of, you know, like, it gets deeper than, than I can get into, but, like, and then they made the business decision to say, okay, well, yeah, we'll send it to theaters, but haha, like, joke's on you, it's only going to 200. And well, yeah. Now, there is probably an associated cost with that additional distribution, right? So they probably are trying course, to balance yeah. that, like, well... We don't really want to spend more on this $8 million shit heap. So we're just going to do the bare minimum to, again, like you said, uh, T-Dub, satisfy our contractual the thing obligations. Is they were already spending more on it because they kept bringing people in to fix it. And that's more money. Uh, and by the way, this wasn't well-reviewed. It, I, it's a 33% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. There's only nine reviews, <laughs> but it has a higher... Uh, user score and this is considered a cult classic in some circles i wouldn't go that far i think it's a fun enough bad movie uh but yeah. when when brandon lee tragically died during the filming of the crow movies like this were then bought up in in great numbers because people wanted to relive his short united states film career and of course, it turns out brandon lee is a really fucking good movie star god damn it yeah so that leads us into our first question, which is always, how would you describe this film in one sentence? Chumpzilla. Lame weeb cop Kenner cucks the crow and nails Cassandra from Wayne's World. It's a shitty none review, of, but it's a review. It's, it's none a of that sentence. is technically wrong, but I, I do dis, dislike all of it. Okay, before I go to you, Captain Cash, here's mine. Dolph Lundgren has the cosmic key to Tia Carrera's heart. Because he's the man in the back dressed as a samurai and he's ready to attack and skewer Terry Kerry Tagawa to a pinwheel in the middle of a Japanese festival. Hey, folks, that's that's art right there. That's the movie. That's it. That's it. That, right I there. mean, that mm-hmm. that encapsulates the film somewhat completely. No, that's it, man. Start to finish. That's 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 the flick right there. Uh, before we do Captain Cash's, I do want to reference that. We often make fun of the fake trailer for the Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, Willie Mays Hayes movie in Major League Two, Black Hammer and White Lightning. But Dolph Lundgren literally does the jump that makes no sense, where he jumps from like a second story balcony onto a car hood and boots while holding a human being <laughs> and does not fall or get hurt. Nothing. Like, I'm convinced if you slow that down, it absolutely shatters the windshield like when the stunt man does that the windshield of that car definitely shatters but it cuts away fast enough that you don't notice it i haven't had a chance to go back but i'm pretty sure right. it's there the good sounds news right. is i own this so we can analyze this <laughs> nice. like this is a bruder film enhance okay captain cash one sentence what if big trouble in little china had absolutely no self-awareness and it was Japan instead. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll take a, a slightly different take on it, but with the same angle, uh, or the same lens of big trouble. You know, it's, it's kind of like, what if you tried to make big trouble in little China without any of the stuff that works? 
made it worth worthwhile that made it interesting and is like do the opposite it's still it turns out it's still a pretty standard action movie but yeah it doesn't it just doesn't capture the same energy that you get when those roles are reversed in fairness yeah. Yeah. if they could have plugged james hong in here somewhere i'd have cut it more slack mm, yeah that's fair i just i like james hong a lot he's a I like him. Kim Cattrall wasn't a hurt either. No, we I mean we made out pretty well with Tia Carrera. Yeah, I feel I mean, like but together? You know, I mean uh, 1991, Ooh. 91 Kim Cattrall as the the friend who meets a a, a very gruesome end. Yeah, All right, that fine. Works better. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the plot, but before we do, got to open another Kirin. What, what's cheers in Japanese? Kanpai. 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 Yeah. Kanpai. So the film opens with Sergeant Chris Kenner busting a le- an illegal underground fighting ring run by seemingly nice Japanese gangster Tanaka. He's played by Philip Tan, who I think you'll recognize if you you watch a lot of action movies from uh, 80s, 90s. Uh, unbeknownst to him, this stage is also about to play host to the beginning of a Japanese gang war. Bullets fly, many people die. Apparently, this is a common occurrence for him, that being Kenner, because we next see him casually enjoying lunch. This, of course, is interrupted by some Yakuza thugs, the same ones that attacked Tanaka's club. He beats them up while drinking tea. But they get at one point, the tea mug completely disappears. I just assume he drops it. Yeah, but like, you don't, yeah, you don't hear it. Winds up to punch somebody and then, like, like it cuts and it's a closed fist that connects with a person's face. And I'm like, what happened to the tea mug? Yeah. This entire movie, I thought about how Dolph Lundgren literally hit so hard. He put Sylvester Stallone in the hospital with a liver punch. And I'm like, man, he could really fucking kill some people if he had to. He's enormous. Yeah. He, he, he a big dude. Like there are a handful of things where he like, especially in that first scene in the, 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 what do you want to call it? The underground fight ring, I guess, where he punches a guy and that person goes over the ropes in a way that if you punch a human body and make it do that kind of thing, that human is now dead for sure. Yeah. When he, when the guy's like, I bet on you. And he's like, good bet. Good bet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. I listen. (laughs) I want to get this out of the way right now, right now. The MVP of this film is Dolph Lundgren's accent. No, that's not true. He's not the MVP. What's a step below that? I mean, the MVP of this film is his weapons closet at his traditional Japanese getaway. The, the MVP is Brandon Lee. But the glow Fair. up, the glow up from Masters of the Universe in 1987 mm-hmm. to Showdown in Little Tokyo in 1991 Dolph Lundgren's accent is incredibly good. Like he is believably an American raised in Japan. Like yes. I can believe this accent completely. At no that, point am I taken out of it by his talking. That's fair. And, and just to further your point about his his physical prowess in the film, like his his frame and his size nothing that happens in this movie seems completely unbelievable 
from a fighting he a standpoint. Big dude. He a yeah. big dude. Like, he doesn't do anything that's like super crazy. All that seems like pretty legit. And he's like, oh no, that guy's big. He he's he's a legit threat. Like he can hold I mean, his own. Super crazy. At the point at which he's wearing a hakama and he's tied a hachimaki around his head to have the final fight, I'm like, okay, this is a little much. Okay. And we're gonna get there. That's let's pushing not, the limits. Let's not spoil yeah. that yet because this spoilers. Fight, you know, he wins, obviously, but it gets broken up by Johnny Murata because he mistakes him for just another bad guy. Ha! They're partners who both have trouble getting along with people. Hilarity must ensue. To be fair, Lundgren constantly wears that leather biker jacket and jeans combo. I just assumed he was the Punisher again. I, I thought his name would be Frank Castle. He did, he did not but- dye his hair this, for this movie, so... But no, what, what what I will say, though, is that much like Stone Cold, I'm like, how do people not recognize Dolph Lundgren, his, his character? It'd be, it'd be pretty obvious if you get the file and like, oh, here's your new partner. He's a six general, foot six Swedish guy. With a crew cut, and he's built like a fucking brick shithouse. Like, you can't miss that guy. And he's constantly he, hanging around in little Tokyo with everybody. He, he might as well be Brian Bosworth for crying out loud. If you see dude a, a blonde haired fellow who's six foot six in little Tokyo, it's your partner. <laughs> Probably this guy. Yeah, he's not very subtle. But anyway, moving. So, on. anyways, these thugs work for Yoshida, who's a bad dude. He kills Tanaka by crushing him in a, in a, in a car compactor. Oh, and, and we, and we get awesome. Awesome. We get the great postmortem one liner here. What does he say? I would be crushed to see him in yeah. that state. Yeah. I'm like, ah, so he takes over this guy's club, which was basically uh, forewarned by a woman that he murders. And uh, this makes things messy for Kenner and Murata because when they go for answers, they find this decapitated girl that he murdered and they come face to face with Yoshida. The new boss is not the same as the old boss. They won't get fooled again. Can I, should I keep doing who references? Who, who, who? Yeah. Listen, yeah. I, I never yeah. saw, I never saw uh, Yoshida play any kind of arcade game. Or Pachinko, but I think it's safe to say he might be a pinball wizard. Damn it. Perfect. Let's close it on that. That's too perfect. So, double changer, Yoshida is the Yakuza member who killed Kenner's parents when he was a boy. Cue the dramatic music. He's like, he's like <laughs> culture appropriation batman how, how does he know this is this it's the tattoos he, he can look at the t- also it's the same guy yeah yeah i mean yeah you like you're sorta, not gonna like sort of you don't forget that face carrie hiroyuki tagawa has a face you're not gonna like he oh, basically fair, looks the fair. same from now or from like 10 years ago through the 90s like yep. that, he just looked like Shang Tsung. That didn't he, change. He has one of the sure, most sure. recognizable faces. Watch the man in the high castle, and you, and you immediately you recognize yeah. him as the elder uh, Japanese fellow who plays a very crucial role in the plot of that show. And I recommend that show. It's a good show. But God, he's such a good actor. He he has such a great uh, screen presence. He really does. He really does. 
Very like, fair. Very fair. His his screen presence in this, like the like I know we said it, but the menace that that man is <laughs> capable of exuding really helps sell. Oh man, I Dolph Lundgren, who is like six six and weighs three hundred pounds and is cut out of solid stone, might have some trouble here, you guys. And yeah, like you think he's going to lose. And I, I will admit do. that this is a dumb movie. It is but, phenomenally dumb. But it does pass that test of having a villain that is sufficiently uh, menacing. And smart. So, it's it, it, having a villain that, that actually seems like a threat. It, it elevates any action movie. So, so Agreed. Think about so, this. Wait, wait, that, that does help this movie. I mean, I think that's one of this movie's yeah, strong points. But, the villain but, seems capable in this film. Think about this, right? We've done a lot of bad action movies on this podcast. Particularly in the last three weeks. Yeah. Think about a film like Judge Dredd, right? Like how much would Judge Dredd benefit from a a screen presence like Tagawa's instead of Armand Asante, who is like cartoonishly terrible? Stop. Stop. (laughs) Stop. I will say. I I mean, I will will hear. No, no. Captain Cash, you you pipe down. I will hear none of this nonsense. Like he is. That is not the problem with that movie. Terrible. He's it, terrible. He's it not would, terrible. He's hammy, but it's enjoyable. It would confuse the twin angle is all I'm trying to say. I mean, wasn't it already confused? <laughs> Was you it know what? Stupid? Fair. Yes. That, <laughs> Take not, this DNA sample. That's not his fault. You want chaos? I, mean, I am chaos. I, I am imagine, chaos. imagine this. It's like the best line in movie history. Sly comes, in, he, Sly comes in and goes, Hershey, there's something I got to tell you. My brother's Japanese, but he's my twin. I, uh, so listen, I, I'm kind of with, I'm kind of with Chumzilla on this one. I, I really, I really do think Armand Asante was not the problem with that film. Actually, I don't know that not, there was, was a fine. problem with that film. I like that movie. You want chaos? I give you chaos. chaos. I'm just telling you. I am chaos. It's a That's better perfection film with Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. I mean, probably. Probably. I mean, that, that, that movie is so cartoony to begin with. If you plug in someone who, you know what? We have spent the last three weeks examining what happens when you have the most cartoony plot and main protagonist paired with a dead serious antagonist and it does work so i'm not going to sit here and say it wouldn't have worked you know what i'm really hearing here captain cash and the thunderous wizard is that you guys want to see will forsyth in judge dread oh that's that's what i'm really hearing god 100 only if he lit his head on fire at the end so uh if they'd have gotten forsyth to be one of the angel gang I'd have been there for it. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I could, I could do that. So, long story short, Yoshida is using his beer company, the Red Dragon, which bears the iron claw of the Yakuza as its emblem, to transport drugs. Kenner has to stop him. He must also save Monaco from Yoshida, because if he wasn't evil enough already, he kidnaps Tia Carrere's character to be his sex slave. For reasons. I mean, there's like it is explicitly played out as a rape scene. Yes. And o- it's only for them to like backpedal it because later in the film, Dolph Lundgren's character saves <laughs> Tia Carrera's character 
and has a, a quick like one liner at Yoshida like, I hear you can't get it up where it's like. So we had the rape scene only to later like backpedal it like, but actually the bad guy was impotent. So the rape maybe didn't happen. It's like, Ugh. but it most clearly God, this is sleazy because she tries mm-hmm. to c- commit seppuku, which she saves her from. Like oh, she, she wants so to weird. kill herself. Wolf, it's this yeah, is it's not like yeah. Maybe yeah. gets unnecessarily deep there for so, a second. It's like, so here's whoa, a whoa, what's going on? Here's a couple things I want to mention. We didn't talk about the yakuza member that that also commits seppuku in the police station. But did you notice that he's alive again in the scene where Yoshida kills Monaco's friend? He's in I, the scene because this movie was edited so heavily that ow. was shot in different orders and they forgot to take the dead guy who committed suicide at the police station out of the scene wolf no that's not yeah. great no not, not, not great I, bob not great yeah. so anyways there's a shootout at kenner's secret dojo which is preceded by multiple awkward nude scenes including one in a hot bath and then Dolph Lundgren looking physically in pain as tears mounts him if orgasm is, as the French say, le petit mort, or the little death. Wow. And, yeah, that's, that's, excellent. That's excellent reference there, Captain and Cash. Excellent. Small post-mortem one-liner is set up when earlier Dolph Lundgren says, hey, it gives Tia Carrera a gun and says, hey, point this at anybody who comes at you, squeeze the trigger, they'll fly, they'll, they'll lay down, you don't have to worry. And she says, what about you? And he says, you'll never hear me coming. Post the sex scene, Tia Carrera looks in Dolph Lundgren's eyes and says, I heard you coming that time. That is some quality Bond line work. Yeah. Well done, madam. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, oh boy. And, uh, but, 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 but I think, I think what Captain Cash is ignoring here, listeners, is that Dolph Lundgren appears to be, in physical discomfort while having sex with Tia oh no I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying Dolph Lundgren has never orgasmed it is it is round 14 <laughs> consensually at least Rocky Drago uh, uh, whatever somebody poured but, hot yogurt on his feet is what I'm saying now we're talking yeah except he didn't enjoy it uh, so I don't know why it worked perfectly well for Nick Cage I know I think the the best part whatever of the Beals. scene is that, holy crap Kenner uh, has this Japanese style house in the middle of nowhere that is equipped with all sorts of awesome ninja weapons. Why? Can someone just tell me why? The, the real question is why not? Because if you don't have those weapons in your vacation home, are you really vacationing? Uh, so here's the question. What do you think came first? The weapons or the vacation home? Did he build the vacation home for the weapons or did he have the vacation home and went, Based on Tia Carrere's face, Dolph. How did we not get a fucking training montage of him at the vacation home, you know, preparing? Like, you kind of get that after they burn it down where he goes to his thing and he's like, he puts on his, like, black hakama, the pants or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, doing sort of kata but also like punching a like it's not a boxing thing but it's i don't know how to describe like it's a dummy but it's not like a dummy i don't know 
it's a sparring. How like, much heavy bag yeah. thing, but not like one you would recognize immediately and be like, oh, that's used in Kung Fu or that's used in. Yeah, no, I hate to say it. But this is the part of the movie, to your point, T-Dubs, where I'm like, oh, this is getting stupid. It, it drives off the cliff. Well, I'm not uh, saying it jumps yeah. the shark, but it like approaches the shark. Well, he inexplicably point. dresses in all this traditional Japanese garb just to shoot people with an AR. Like he, he gets all dressed up. He's like, I'm going to do this like a samurai. So he's, you know, he's got the, the, the headband on. He's got the, the stuff on. The vest and the pants. Like, yeah. but, but then he's just shooting people. So he's not really a samurai. I, all this makes sense if you are a coked out movie exec in the 80s. You've got a six foot five Swedish guy in Japanese garb firing an AK 47 at people. Like that yeah. just sounds like printing money to those folks. This whole thing culminates with a katana fight in the middle of a Japanese uh, uh, cultural festival. For and reasons. Yosh- and Yoshida being impaled through a spinning pinwheel. Uh, that then oh, uh, oh, lights oh, off. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Epic. <laughs> just, just, yeah, don't gloss over that. That is an amazing villain death. Like, it's it's incredible. Yeah. It's cinematic. He, so he, being Dolph Lundgren, throws a katana through Yoshida, pinning him to a wheel, which then inexplicably has fireworks attached to it that ignite the moment Yoshida is pinned to the pinwheel and spin him around like at no point were the fireworks that spin the pinwheel set off by the throwing of the sword it's just he got stuck and I guess the fireworks went off and it's time to die and uh, so much of this movie is that like it's again it's this is a bad yeah. movie, but it is so serious with how bad it is. It's a lot of fun. It's a and it's he, like a lot of fun. This scene is so intense. I nearly yelled finish him as he <laughs> as he basically did a fatality to this guy. No, I, 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 I swear I, to God, I, Captain Cash, you're not wrong. I don't think you can be <clears throat> emphasized enough. This this final death. It's so. I'm not even sure what the word scripted literally he gets stuck to it and it just bursts into the flames because it's going to look cool that's a microcosm of this whole film stuff happens because it has to happen for the movie to happen or stuff ha- happens because it needs to look cool and that's it I, I, I understand that and I recognize it when I saw it but at the same time I have no problem with that it's a great way to end the movie okay yeah so uh, before we take our first break, big question, showdown in Little Tokyo, how many beers are required? This movie's very short. Three high enjoyment beers for me. I'm the same. It's three high enjoyment because, again, this movie's dumb as shit. This doesn't hurt because it's over quick, and it is so incredibly stupid. Very like, stupid. Now, I mean, again, yeah. I would like to hear someone of Japanese descent, you know, give give me some sense of like, how does it feel to have Dolph Lundgren be the most Japanese guy in the movie? That seems like it kind of sucks. It does. But at the same time, this movie is so fucking stupid. You can't take it serious. Yeah. The, you, 
it, yeah. the second you're like, this is a serious movie, you've done it wrong. No, as far as the action movies go, this is not completely abhorrent. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to give this two enjoyment beers, one pain beer, because it is so short. You can have those first two beers and just enjoy the movie. But when you get to the end, it starts to get dumb. And that's when you got to finish that third beer to be like, all right, whatever, and get through it. It might be one of the dumber movies we've done. But it does end with a bang. So that leads us into our first break. Hey, We're going to hear from our brothers in beer smuggling, Hop Nation USA. And when we come back, we've got some lingering questions about Showdown in Little Tokyo. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 148th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. We're talking 1991's showdown in little tokyo and we've got some lingering questions about this movie and really about our b-list action star month first being who Mm. wins the movie dolph lundgren or brandon lee i think we're i mean you guys touched on it earlier brandon lee wins this movie yeah handedly he Mm -hmm. like it's so strange because it's it's not his movie this is dolph lundgren's movie Mm -hmm. but Every time Brandon Lee is on screen, you're like, I'm having a better time now. Yep. It, they, they, it, it's criminal. They gave him way too little to work with. He was definitely well, the, the more engaging of the stars. They didn't even give him a B plot. Like nope. when you have a buddy comedy, a buddy cop comedy, you've got your A plot, your, your Riggs and Murtaugh. You go, hey, Riggs has got to like, Handle whatever the fucking crazy. Wait, am I messing this up? Which one's Riggs? Come on, Riggs. He's yes, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. you you've got your a plot where Riggs is like, they murdered my wife and I'm alone and I've got to like find this thing. And then you got your Murtaugh is like, I'm too old for this shit and I've got to like retire. They did not give Brandon Lee, I'm too old for this shit and retire. He's just no. there because no. he's the partner. That's it. No, he's just there to be less Japanese than Dolph Lundgren. Which Swedish. sucks. Yeah. So no, he's Chinese, but still. Yeah, Dolph but Lundgren's his character Swedish. is supposed to be Japanese. Yeah, I get yeah, it. I'm, but still. I, yeah. Yeah, that's it, the joke. Anyway, it, moving on. It's very clear uh that Brandon Lee could have been a, a big star. Whereas this is this movie by 91 is the flickering embers of Dolph Lundgren as a uh legitimate like movie theater legitimate action star is a, is a draw. And, you know, he, he kind of disappeared for a while and uh, you know, he came back. I love Dolph Lundgren, but you know, he waffles between doing things like Creed two and doing things like the skin game or whatever the hell it's called straight to DVD or something. So, I mean, for what it's worth though, I don't think he was bad in this, right? He's, like he's, he's not fine here. He's yeah, limited, I mean, though. but again, That's they're the, not they're not giving him a lot to do. He's purposely playing the stoic whatever. Stoic it, is is very generous. Yeah. Stiff, stiff, yeah, stiff, stiff, stiff. Yeah. So 
Fair. Anyway. Best action scene. I mean, it's it's sort of tough because a lot of the action here is sort of subpar, but him killing mm-hmm. Yoshida at the end of the movie is absolute Pretty, cinema gold. I like the bathhouse. Okay, the bathhouse is also bathhouse cool. is good. Yeah, I like the bathhouse. I, you want to hear my here, here's Chumpzilla's personal take? I feel like uh, Deadpool stole from this bathhouse fight. I that's what I was thinking when I saw it. I was like, Scoutmaster Kevin. I'm like, I also, I've seen this before. Oh wait, for no, com- yeah. For complete clarity, when you go into a bathhouse, no one wears fundoshi. That's the like the the sumo underwear. You're the all diapers. just naked. Yeah. You're all just naked. No one covers themselves. No one gives a shit. You're just in a bathhouse. It's fine. I think this movie would have went there if it could have. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But it was (laughs) not like like, I didn't. I don't think I talked enough about how like 1990. Like this was sleazy. This is a sleazy ass movie. And I kind of like it for that. I don't know. But my takeaway for for best action scene. Mm hmm is the fight where Brandon Lee shows up because they actually let Brandon Lee do some Brandon Lee shit. Like he oh, flips that, over yeah. tables and kicks dudes and that, like... That, that first fight. Yeah, he actually yeah. does Brand. That's the only time they let him be Brandon Lee. Like, hey, hey, since Which you were three... he sort of outshines Dolph. He, he completely outshines Dolph in that first thing. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And they we can't... shelve that shit for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. He's they, like, he do ooh, the club and they do some other stuff. I mean, he, he gets moments to at least fight. He does. So, but hold on. I think, I think Captain Cash is burying the lead here. What you're saying is that we should have gotten some Dolph Dong in that bathhouse scene. I have heard that the line that Brandon Lee says to Dolph Lundgren before it was edited was you got the biggest dick I've ever seen on a white man. Yeah. But they thought that was too racist. But so they edited it. You got the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. Like, can you imagine how amazing that would have been? That would have been fantastic. Either way, that still blows my mind that's in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Most gnarly villain death of B-list action star flops. And to recap, we get the Boz fake shoots chains, and then the nerdy FBI agent blasts him over a railing. Not a great death in a fairly gnarly, awesome capital siege scene. You get Howie Long uses William Forsythe's ass to boost him into the inferno, setting his head on fire, which is pretty great. Uh, We get Mickey Rourke stepping on a mine only to release the pressure as the tiger begins to eat his head. Oh, that's pretty rad. And we get Dolph Lundgren stabbing Tagawa through a pinwheel, which explodes after a series of firecrackers go off. Honestly. Before it does, he just spins around screaming in agony. Like We approach this series of films as hops and B-list action star flops. We could have easily approached it as Hops and the craziest villain death you've ever seen flops. Cause yep. like g- compare that to literally any other villain death we've dealt with almost anywhere. They're not even comparable amongst the fucking fault. Just, just these four. You're very right. Captain cash. 
And I texted you guys immediately after watching this for the first time in many years. And I said, there's a new leader in the villain death clubhouse. I think Yoshida getting blown up on the pinwheel at the Japanese cultural festival is the most gnarly villain death of B-list action star flops. It's gotten progressively crazier week after week. How? You know, that, that's a very fair assessment there, T-Dubs, because it is. It, it, even in the context of this movie, when that death happens, again, the way the explosions, you know, come out of that wheel as the guys die, it's like, well, that, that's really freaking nuts. It's, it's just, it's crazy. It is nuts. Last question before we head to the break. We've had four B-list action stars. Which one mm-hmm. of them reigns supreme? Who won the month? For me, it's the Boz. The Boz wins the month. Really? I would have loved to see more Boz. Obviously, we've got a lot of tape on Lundgren. Got a lot of tape on Van Dam. Howie Long, not going to happen. We discussed that in the Firestorm pod. The Boz. He won the month for me. It's my favorite of these bad movies. What, what do you guys think? Chumpzilla. You know what? I love the boss. I feel you there. But for me, I do wish that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme had gotten his like legit shot at, at, at like a real prestige movie. He never got it. He never got it. Arnold has T2. Uh, you know, uh, Stallone's got Rocky. JCVD never got his shot. I, I, I feel like he's the guy. He, he's, he, he, he needs that shot. Somebody needs to give him a dramatic role where he can sort of flex his muscles and, and, and try, to, try to nail it. Here's the line I'm going to draw. We have said, oh, it's the Boz or it's JCVD or it's Dolph Lundgren. But I feel like, or Howie Long, right? And in the case of the Boz and Howie Long, very clearly, they are the B-list stars. It was their vehicles to do so a the, thing. Th- those were their one shots. Effectively. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But with Double Team and with this movie, the real leads or the real the B-shot stars were not Dolph Lundgren, who was in a, a ton of things. And it, sure. and it was yeah. not JCVD, who's in a ton of other things. Mm-hmm. It was Dennis Rodman and Brandon Lee. And for That's me, fair. the winner is Brandon Lee because of all of them. The only one that I watched in these four incredibly dumb movies that I had never seen before was Brandon Lee. Because Brandon Lee was the only one I watched and went, that guy's fun. I want to hang out with that guy. Give me more of that guy. Yeah, so you're a big fan of The Crow. Got it. Moving on. Listen, (laughs) there's something about Brandon Lee's like disarming smile where he's like, come on, we're going to do a thing. You're like, yeah, yeah, let's go, B-Randon. Let's do it. Like, he's just got this SoCal charm. Like, I can't explain it, but you're like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Disarming, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. T-Dubs we all, takes out, we all disagree there, but uh, we're going to take a, our second break. We're going to hear from our 
partners in crime over the double turn podcast. And when we come back, we've got the iron claw trivia challenge. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to the 148th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking 1991's Showdown in Little Tokyo, and we are on to the Iron Claw Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, we have a standard five-question, multiple-choice format quiz. To chime in, either stick with one of our stalwarts, uh, I'm going to shoot my firecrackers at the Japanese festival, or... Tarts and farts. Ponytails, cocktails, or farts and tarts, or whatever. Or say, you have the right to be dead. Or... We're Ooh, gonna yeah. we're gonna eat fish off those naked chicks. That I'm is, also okay and, with that. And the earnestness and the goofy smile Brandon Lee delivers that line with. I'm like, God damn it, we got we, we were robbed. I yeah, I mean, uh, his death was super super tragic, and I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. I was obviously a big Brandon Lee fan, uh, but it's incredibly sad that both of them died so young and, and I'm not saying much. I'm just saying I'd like to live in the multiverse where Brandon Lee is a a super huge action star. Yeah. Would have been great. And I think he certainly would have been number one, as mentioned, this movie did poorly in its limited run, but it was a bit of a hit in this country overseas. Is it a Hungary? Is it B Sweden? Is it C, Russia, or is it D, Japan? I'm say, totally not Japan. That cannot be the answer. Yeah. Sweden is the only possible answer because that's where Dolph Lundgren's from. Incorrect. Really? Oh, my God. Uh, is it Japan? And tarts, farts and tarts. I'm going to say Russia. You're both incorrect. It's Hungary. Whew. Okay. Uh, I it, feel less. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Why? Oh. It ranked in Hungary's. Top 10 for the year of 1992 overall box office grosses, uh, grossing $197,590. Now, it was only actually released in the United States, Mexico, Austria, Israel, and Hungary. Except for those markets, the film was released direct to video in 1992. So it could have been a big hit in Japan, but well, again, <laughs> it's not released it, it, there. Hold on. Again, 1992, after Wayne's World, they should have just been like, hey, Cassandra's naked by this movie. They would have made their money for sure. Okay, so we're at zeros. Number two, Brandon Lee only appeared in three U.S. produced theatrical films. The Crow and Showdown in Little Tokyo being two of them. Which Mm -hmm. was the other? Was it A, Kung Fu the movie? Was it B, Laser Mission? Was it C, Rapid Fire? Or was it D, Legacy of Rage? Farts and Tarts. Tarts. Captain Cash. Rapid Fire, baby. That's correct. Kung Fu? Uh, U.S. produced, but a made-for-TV movie. Also, he had to be second billing to David Carradine, who's not Chinese, and was also the person that stole the role of the show Kung Fu from Bruce Lee because they didn't want to cast dead. somebody who was yeah. Asian. And, and Kung Fu, I, I have Kung Fu on DVD. It's still a good show, kind of. 
Um, it'd be better if Bruce Lee was the star of it, <laughs> but yes. That is one nothing, Captain Cash. We're on to number three. Director Mark Lester's career never topped the incredible highs of Commando. And as mentioned, he helmed a few super schlocky films. Which of these was not one of them? Was it A, Dragons of Camelot? Was it B, White Rush? Was it C, Yeti? Or was it D, Poseidon Rex? I hate how much I love all of those answers. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Farce and Tars, I'm going to jump on C. Yeti. That's no, correct. Wait, wait, uh, oh, shit. Yeti he, was correct? He only produced Yeti. <laughs> so, so Dragons of Camelot is described as Camelot is plunged into darkness after King Arthur dies. Now the reign of his cruel sorceress sister, Morgana, begins. Commanding three deadly dragons, she hunts the remaining knights of the round table. White Rush, by the way, starring, <laughs> starring Judd Nelson. A group of young tourist couples come across a drug deal gone bad while on vacation. <laughs> and then Poseidon Rex, a small secluded island off the coast of Belize, suddenly finds itself terrorized by a deadly predator from the planet's distant past when deep sea divers accidentally awaken in ancient evil. So he really fell hard oh, after Commando, but yeah. hey man, gotta work. I can't fault him. Yeah, checks are checks, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, how many movies you been in? Yeah, true. True. Go fuck yourself, Captain Cash. So it is Listen, two just because I've been yeah. in one movie, I ain't been credited. We're good. I'll be honest, you'd rather yeah, you be in Poseidon Rex than in The Dark Knight Rises. Fact. Okay, we're 2 nothing. Captain Cash, number four. Editor Michael Elliott, who was brought in by WB for significant changes, also later changed his name to Joss Whedon, just kidding, uh, performed this task on another crappy 1991 action movie. What was it? Was it A, Out for Justice? Was it B, McBain? That's, that's a real movie. Was it C, Toy Soldiers, or was it D, The Hitman? Farts and Tarts? I think it's A. It is Out for Justice, starring the pants shitter himself. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Welcome back, William Forsyth. I, hey, hang on. Has the Thunderous Wizard told all of you folks about the time that Steven Seagal choked out and shit his pants? Because if he hasn't, he should. And you should listen to his story. If you guys okay. don't know, Stephen Skull is a legendary coward and uh, said his... Uh, and a Russian asset. Said his Aikido was so good, he could not be choked out. Which is also well, guess a what? garbage <laughs> he martial was. art, for yeah. the record. He pooped his pants. My, uh, uh, Stephen Skull sucks. McBain is an actual movie? Yes, and that's uh, leads us into question number five, because we're Two to one, right? How? Okay. Yeah. Here, let's have it, I guess. And I'll tell it. So Terminator 2 was the highest grossing domestic movie of 1991. Showdown in Little Tokyo finished 160th. It it did somehow beat one of the aforementioned titles above. Which one was it? Was it A, Out for Justice? Was it B, McBain? Was it C, Toy Soldiers, or was it D, The Hitman? Context clues, farts and tarts? McBain? It was McBain. So McBain grossed 
$456,127. It stars Christopher Walken and is described as a former Vietnam War lieutenant reforms his old team in order to help a revolutionary sister overthrow a ruthless dictator. But but not like the Simpsons McBain. They must have taken it from this. I, they must have. How could they not have? Well, I mean, it was 91. <laughs> so, could, like, what no, the that's, fuck? That's, Big that's, Bang. That's perfectly in the wheelhouse for that. <laughs> it's a starring Christopher and, Walken. And Walken. Walken. Oh, wow. wow I guess, uh, you have the right to be dead. <laughs> I'm McBain. I will be back. Can you get this movie for us? Hey, dictator man, can your mother sew? Boom! We'll have a sew that. Can you you download this for us? Like, like, I'll find it. I'll find. Where's the internet? Yeah, we we need to see this Uh, movie. Further question: Is it Mick M C B A N E or is it Mac? M A C B A I N E. It's M C B A I N. McBain. Okay. That, that, that's the proper spelling, McBain. So, so you guys tied uh, two to two, and mm. now you have to split, close us out. You have to wow. split the weapons in Dolph Lundgren's uh, Japanese can, war chest in his uh, summer oh. retreat. So choose wisely. Well, I think Captain Cash has like some sort of like home field advantage here. Listen, I just want all the ninja stars. Oh yeah, Fair. and Deal. and one Done. and one katana, because while you were watching bad B movies, I studied the blade. I, I just want one. How, how dare you come want. to me for help? Every katana in the movie, obviously a prop, except for the ones with, that Dolph Lundgren personally used during his training scene to chop through. Uh, that would so really he, he actually was trusted enough to hold a real wield a real katana you, you're dead serious you're not making that yeah up. uh-huh wow oh and the one he killed uh togawa with so the the hero <laughs> the the carry yeah. hero yuki togawa that we know is an android because he was murdered on the set of this movie and blown and, to and set wait wait is that uh so verbal cop too Yep. Murphy. All right. We're on to recommendations. Uh, General, what do we have? Your soul is Murphy. Yeah. Wait. So, Captain Cash, what do you have for this week? So, for this week, because we're going with the Japanese Yakuza theme, there's a book that I very much recommend called Tokyo Vice. It is more or less the autobiographical description of a guy named Jake Adelston, who, or Adelstein, who lived in Japan basically from like the mid comma early nineties and his dealings with the Yakuza. And he's basically, he gets hired on as a reporter for the vice beat for the, I forget if it's the, the Mainichi Shimbun or if it's the, it's one of these random, the Tokyo times, I don't remember. And it's, he starts to get really involved with the underworld of Tokyo. And I think relatively soon it's going to be a, a thing or a series on HBO max. And I think it's got, it's got one of the, the young guys, 
Who who is Baby Driver Ansel something? Oh, yeah, Ansel. That guy. Yeah. yeah, that that's that's gonna be who plays the actual human, comma author of Tokyo Vice, Jake Adelston or Adelstein again. I don't I don't know. Um, huh. But yeah, sure. it's it's wild. Like this is a dude from Missouri who, in like the mid '90s, finds himself like he's he's fluent in Japanese, studied. Like, I think, yeah, because I remember reading his book in like 2006 and it was wild, like hearing all about the crazy shit this guy got involved with just from being, hey, I, I work for the Vice Beat on this random newspaper in Tokyo. And it is bad stuff happens, man. Like bad stuff happens. Oh, Good, cool that, book. Hopefully a cool series. That's a great recommendation. Um yeah, I'd be very interested to not only read that, but watch the, the show, especially if HBO is doing it. Uh, Chumpzilla, what's your recommendation? Well, my recommendation will not be nearly as cool as Captain Cassius, but I did, uh, I, I hate to say it, but I'm stealing from Captain Cassius' home region here. Uh, I watched a, uh, it, it was a Tubi documentary, it's Tubi. I'm sorry. No, uh, you don't say. Was it on your shock. Was it on your sponsored network? Tubi, the greatest streaming network. But uh, but no, Smoke and Mirrors, the uh, story of Tom uh, Savini, who is a absolute you know special effects and movie legend. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a great documentary. It was okay, but it was cool to see about. You know, to see all the stuff that he was involved in and how he got pulled into movies and his love of film and cinema. And also, you get some backstory about a guy who's made a ton of special effects in movies that most of us all love. So, again, Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini. You can find it on Tubi. Check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. Pittsburgh's own Tom uh, Savini. Exactly. On numerous occasions, he's a pretty nice dude. Battler of Bart. Seems like a sweet guy. Seems like a nice dude for sure. I I swear to God, like barge pirates, yes. Enemy of barge pirates everywhere. That's why we have a statue to him. He he killed uh River Rat Riley, who was the greatest barge pirate uh in Pittsburgh until 19. 93 yep yeah bless that it's man a, it's a local lore for sure yeah come on sex yeah. machine my recommendation yep. for this week is uh writers of justice which is a 2020 danish uh action comedy mm-hmm. comedy is more of a dark comedy uh starring mads mickelson as a, a guy who is a lifetime serviceman uh whose wife is killed during a terrorist attack on a train. And then he teams up with a bunch of statisticians to go on this revenge tour. And since this is a primarily a revenge movie, I, I, you should see this movie. It's really goddamn good. It's, it's free on Hulu. And, and Mads, the man. For the and, yeah. Mads Mickelson friggin' rules. So mm-hmm. uh, if you have not seen writers of justice, holy shit. It is great. And it is funny. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not that it's not funny, but it's dealing with super heavy themes about loss and grief and, and those sorts of things and, and uh, dealing with trauma. I can't recommend it highly enough. Also, 
obviously watch the crow uh it's i think the crow's very dated it's also very 90s and if you're not a child of the 90s you might not uh get as much out of it as uh, say i did when it first came out oh boy i mean like the crow is serious business it can be a tough view like it, the crow like, is serious business, and I'm like, not sure I'm here for a serious like business for the 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 goth clown. Yeah, but if you don't mm. if you don't understand the general like apathy of the '90s, the nihilism of like certain sects of the '90s, and uh, if you think Nirvana is not a good band, you're not going to like the crow. <laughs> it, it captures the moment. Yes. So if you're not there for the '90s, you're not going to like that movie. But you know what else? It won't, I, it, I, it, it won't be comfortable the one thing i think you can take from the crow is that brandon lee was lost way too soon yes and was a man of immense talent and it's indescribably tragic tragic. that was clear so remember you can find the show on facebook twitter and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself on twitter at writer tlk you can find captain cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And you can find Chumzilla when he's not sniffing and laundering loincloths from the Japanese bathhouse at Chumzilla8 on Twitter. McCheese, who's missed the whole month of the best like possible shit for him imaginable, at HBO McCheese on Twitter. And be sure to check out Wabam Entertainment at W-O-B-A-M Entertainment.com or at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. In the end, listeners, all that upper body strength really slows you down. Incorrect Johnny Murata, because Dolph Lundgren has no problem kicking the shit out of everybody in this movie. (laughs) We will see you next week for the start of our very thematically appropriate hops and pandemic flaps with what might be M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's worst movie, The Happening. I saw Lady in the Water. I don't know about that. I am so, so sorry. I am so, so sorry.